information about Theophilus, who he is. I know if he has two letters that are addressed to him or two books that are addressed to him, he must be some significant soul. But if you could tell me something about him, I would appreciate it. Anybody? So nobody's, no takers tonight, nobody's going to tell me anything about Theophilus. Well, let's first look at his name. Notice the first part of it, Theo, comes from the word Theos, which means God. And the last part of the name, Philos, or Philos, is from the word Philos, which is the word, one of the words for love or friendship, love. And so the name means something like this, lover of God or one God loves. And so we don't know which one, you know, why he's given this name, but he's either someone who loves God or someone that God loves. I would take it probably to mean that it's one who loves God, and therefore Luke is writing to him in order to give some some information in regard to that. One of the things that we're almost certain about is that he was a, a Gentile Christian. Now, why do we believe that? If you go back and you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they have a lot of things that are alike, but then there are some differences. One gives more detail than the other, and you know, on several occasions. And then Luke didn't, or rather John didn't copy, as it were, and we'll put that in quotation marks because none of them copied. They just had the same author, uh, God. But uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are a lot of like, a lot alike. But in Matthew. We have Matthew writing to a specific group of people. Who did Matthew write to? Well, Matthew wrote for a primarily Jewish audience. Okay? He wrote primarily to the Jews. Mark, on the other hand, writing to the Jewish people, he sort of focused his attention, what we know about his book, to a Roman audience. On the other hand, we have Luke, and he has yet... A third audience, and that is the Greeks or the Gentiles, if you will, and he presents his material in a number of instances just adapted for the Greek or the Jewish or should we say simply the Gentile audience. Now, why would that be the case? When we think about Luke, who was he a traveling companion with? Who did did Luke go do missionary work with? Paul. And where did Paul primarily go? What was his mission that God had given him? His mission was primarily to the Gentiles. And so if Luke is uh, traveling with Paul and Paul is working on converting the Gentiles, it stands to reason then that one of the people that Luke would be familiar with is someone who would be like Theophilus, someone who is a Gentile Christian. Now, what about all of the things that the Bible says here about him? Well, there's not a whole lot of information here in the book of Acts other than his name is mentioned. But somebody go back to Luke chapter 1 at verse number 3. And there is something particular that I want you to pay close attention to. You may or may not have Notice this, but I want you to pay close attention to what Luke says about Theophilus in addressing him in Luke chapter 1 at verse 3. Okay, somebody, whoever finds that verse, go ahead and read it out loud for us tonight. (laughs) 
good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Yeah. Okay? So, how does, how does Luke address him here in the book of Luke? He calls him the most excellent Theophilus. You know that, that phrase is used very few times in the, in the New Testament. It's actually used four times in the New Testament. Okay? And so, when someone uses that phrase, most excellent, who would they be referring to? We'll go to Acts chapter 23 at verse 26. Acts 23, verse 26. Really short verse. Two or three names in it. What does he say? Paul is talking. Acts 23, 26. Okay, so how does, how does Paul address Felix? Same way that Luke addresses Theophilus, but who was Felix? According to that passage. He was a governor. He was a, an official. Okay? If you notice again in Acts chapter 24 at verse number 2, uh, you'll have that same phrase again that's used. Okay? This time it's used still in regard to Felix. Paul addresses him again, but that's the uh, third time, if you will, that it's used in Scripture. But then go to verse uh, 25 of Acts 26. Acts 26, verse 25. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. Okay, who is Festus? He's not on gun smoke. Not that Festus. Who is this Festus? He is the governor, right, who took Felix's place, wasn't he? And so Paul addresses him as most excellent. Do you see a pattern here, the way that it's used? You've got government officials, wherein these men are being addressed as most excellent and so it's only used, phrase is only used four times, three times we know it's mentioned in regard to a governor. And so why would we have uh, anything different? It's probably a fact, and we are not, it's not specified in Scripture that he was some kind of government official. But as best we can tell, he was a man who would have been probably known in some way. And uh, likely he was a, uh, an official in the government in some capacity, some Gentile uh, city or place that uh, was, uh, uh, was being addressed by Luke. And so I don't know if you'd ever noticed that phrase or not, but that's why we read the Bible word for word. We pick out these things, we study these things, and maybe we learn just a little bit more about the people that, or any other topic that we're looking at when we pay attention to it word for word. Okay? And so he says in the first book, O Theophilus. We don't know a whole lot about him, but there's just a few things that we can probably pretty well guess. Okay? The first book, as we've already mentioned, is the book of Luke, and so we won't spend a lot of time in dealing with that. But I want you to look and see what he says here in verse 1 again. 
In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Let's focus for a moment tonight on that word, began. The word began, as used here, is a verb, of course, but in the original it's an aorist verb, and what that tells us is this, that it had a momentary, undefined action somewhere in the past. In other words, it had a point that it started, okay? And so at some point, Jesus began, and Luke says, I'm giving you an account of what Jesus began, and we're going to talk about the do and the teach in a minute, but Luke says, I'm giving you an orderly account of what Jesus began. At some point, Jesus began to do something and to teach something, okay? Now, how does Luke begin his book that he addresses, the first book that he addresses to Theophilus? What, what does he do? How does, how does he begin? If you just sort of summarized a little bit of what the book of Luke does at the first part, what are you going to find? What, what's in chapter number 1? If you go back to Luke chapter 1, what do you find? How does Luke start out? By telling us about the birth of who? Tells us about the birth of John the Baptist. Well, now what does that have to do with anything that has to do with Jesus? Luke starts out with John the Baptist, okay? But what does that have to do with anything? What, what, what relationship does that have uh, with Jesus? Look at Luke chapter 1, and somebody read verses 15 through 17. Luke 1, 15 through 17. Okay, whoever has it, jump in there and let's go with it. Okay, so we've got the angel talking to Zach, uh, Zacharias, the father of John. He's announcing that he's going to be a father. He's having, his wife is going to have a son. His name's to be John and all of that. But he's telling him about John. He talks about the fact that, that he is uh, not to drink strong drink or anything like that. He was to be a Nazarite uh, is basically what he's telling him here. But focus on the last part of that. What is John coming to do? Prepare the people for who? For the Lord, for the coming of the Lord. What does Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 say would happen before the Messiah would come? Malachi 3 verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger. I will send my messenger and he'll prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And so he says, he's going to be the messenger. The angel says to Zacharias, he's going to be the one who prepares the people for the Lord. But if you drop down in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 26 and 27, Jesus himself has something to say about John the Baptist. What does he say? What does he say there in Luke 7, 26 and 27? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, 
Okay, so Jesus explicitly says John is the one that Malachi is talking about, doesn't he? He tells us that's exactly who Malachi is talking about. So, how does, how does Luke, in chapter 1 of the book of Luke, how does he start out? Well, he tells him about the one who was coming, tells us about the one who was coming to prepare the way for the Lord. Okay, and then in chapter 2, what happens? We said that he, we're, we're talking about the things that, uh, that Jesus began, okay? What do we find here in uh, Luke chapter 2? Do what? Birth of Christ, don't we? Okay, and so, so we have all of those kinds of things. We're going to come back to that in just a second. But uh, I want you to notice something else here. He tells the story, of course, of Jesus' birth... Uh, about his actions in Jerusalem when he's 12, there in verse number two, uh, chapter number 2. And then from that point on, he tells about his ministry, his crucifixion, his resurrection, all of that. If, if you followed all the way through to chapter 24, you get all of that. Okay, that's uh, the, the biography that Luke writes of Jesus. Okay, but look back at Luke, or rather Acts chapter 1, verse number 1, and look at the first part of verse number 2. I'm telling you about what Jesus began to do and teach. When I, wrote, when I wrote that first book to you, where did I end it? On the day Jesus was taken up. And so my biography, what Luke is saying here at the very beginning of the book of Luke, my biography that I wrote to you the first time, it tells you about Jesus what he began to do and teach, all the way until the day when he was taken up. Look at, just turn over real quick to Luke 24, verses 50 through 53, the last few verses of the book of Luke. Luke 24, 50 through 53. How does he end it? And with that, Luke ends his first book to Theophilus. What day did he end it on? On the day Jesus was taken up. The information in it, it wasn't written that day, but the day that he ends his, uh, what we know as the book of Luke, was, was for, from, for that day, okay, to that day. Now what is Luke doing here in the book of Acts? What is he doing in the book of Acts? Yeah, what happened after that day? Okay, what, what, what went on? What, what do you need to know, Theophilus, about what Jesus started to do and what he kept on doing, as we'll see here in just a second? And so I'm going to pick up at that point and I'm going to tell you about the rest of the story. I'm going to tell you about that kingdom that Jesus talked about that I wrote about in the book of Acts, or rather Luke. And so we're going we're gonna to continue on with that thought, and that's what, that's what Luke is doing. Okay? Now, let's go back to verse number 1, because there's some words there we haven't talked about yet. We've hinted around them and sort of poked at them a little bit, but 
Paul, or rather Luke is saying to Theophilus, he says, I've dealt with all that Jesus began, that, punk, that, that, that one point thing, to do and to teach. Now, those two words are interesting within themselves. To do and to teach. Even though that one verb, the beginning part, has a, has a point at which it was done, these two verbs are in the present tense, if you will, which in the original simply means what? Continued action. And so, really, what Theophilus would have understood Luke to say is that Jesus started doing something back here in the book of Luke. I'm telling you about that, but he would also understand, Theophilus, when he read it, would also understand that whatever it was that happened to Jesus and wherever it was that he went, he did not quit doing and teaching. That's what Theophilus would have understood Luke to be saying. Now, is that the case? Let's talk about it. Okay, Let, let's go at it from the backside. Let's go at it what Jesus began to teach. That'll help us, I think. Did Jesus begin teaching while he was here? Well, sure. That's, where he, that's the way he spent his days, wasn't it? Sermon on the Mount, all these other things, these lessons that he presented, parables that he told, all of those things. He began to teach. But before he left, was Jesus finished teaching? All right. Let's go back and consult John, okay? Because even though Luke is the writer of Acts, he's the writer of Luke, he and John and Matthew and Mark all had the same one behind them, helping them to know what to write. But let's consult with John just a little bit. John chapter 14, verse 26. John 14, 26. But the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay. So we've got Jesus on the night before he is crucified. He is meeting with his apostles. We know the story. They were there together because of the Passover. That's when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper and all of that. But he's having all of these things to say to them. And he's telling them here in John chapter 14, he said, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, he identifies that. He said, Father's going to send him and he's going to, he's going to do something for you. What's he going to do for you? He will teach you all things and he will do what? Remind you, help them to remember what? All that I've said, all right, I'm building on a foundation, but also he's going to help you do something else as well, isn't he? Let's keep going in the book of John. Go to chapter 16, still the same night, and see what Jesus had to say. Look at John 16, 12 through 13. He will guide you into all truth. 
for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Okay. What did Jesus say? I'm leaving, but I, I still have, I still got a whole lot more I need to tell you. But you, you can't handle it yet. Y'all seen that movie where the, uh, I guess it's Tom Cruise or somebody stands up and says, you can't handle the truth. Well, they couldn't handle it all at one time. And so Jesus had to give it to them a little at a time. And, and he wasn't able to give all of it to them until after they witnessed the resurrection and all of the things that are related to it. But he says the Spirit is coming. He's going to help you remember what I've said, but I've got more to say, and what's he going to do? He's going to tell you the rest of what I have to say. Okay? Jesus began to teach. Okay? And so that word again in the, in the uh, present tense, he began to teach, but he continues teaching. One more verse, uh, a couple more verses rather. John 15, back up to John 15, 26 and 27. John 15, 26 and 27. Okay, so the Spirit's coming. He's going to bear witness of Jesus. Remember the things that he said while he was with them and also teach them the things that he, could, he, he, he was unable to teach them while he was here. And Jesus sums it up by saying, in doing that, he is bearing witness about me. But what does he also tell the apostles? That, that last verse that Wendy read. You're going you're gonna to teach too. And so when the apostles were teaching by the power of the Holy Spirit, who was reminding them what Jesus said and who was guiding them into all truth, whose words were they teaching? Jesus, the Word of God, because Jesus is God. And so if you go to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter uh, 14, uh, hang on a second, let me make sure, yeah, 1437, 1 Corinthians 14.37, it makes sense what even Paul writes. And again, somebody, just read that out loud for us. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. The things that I'm writing are what? The commandments of... Is Jesus still teaching us today? Through the words of the apostles? Well, sure. You know, one of the things that we, that we all need to remember is the Word of God is what saves us, right? But how did the Word of God get to us? God gave it to the Son. The Son gave it to the Spirit. The Spirit gave it to the apostles. The apostles wrote it down. And we have that Bible that we have the words of God. And we need to remember that. We need to understand it. Luke says... There was a point when Jesus began to teach it, but he continues to do it even today. Okay? But not only did Jesus begin to teach, but Luke says it, he began to do as well. Okay? What does he mean by that? Well, 
Obviously, Luke is speaking about some of the things that Jesus set out to do in his ministry. But, but let's just take a t- quick trip through Luke. And let's start seeing some things that Jesus did. We won't look at all of them by any stretch of the imagination. But in Luke chapter 3 at verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. What did Jesus begin to do? He began to be obedient to God, didn't he? His Father. And being baptized to fulfill all righteousness. We don't have time to deal with that in great detail tonight. But he's showing us an example of one who is to follow the commands of God. He, began, he begins to do that. He began to pray. We understand that. Look at Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Jesus, when he, had, uh, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli. Okay? Jesus began to minister, verse 23, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from, Jerusalem, uh, from Jordan rather, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Luke tells us about that. What did Jesus do? He was tempted like we are, yet without sin. Paul, or the writer of the book of Hebrews, would tell us later on. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Well, what was his custom? Going to the synagogue, doing what what he was supposed to do. Okay, Luke 4, 33 through 36. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! what What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him. Be silent and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down in the midst, he came out of him, and having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits. And they come out. What did Jesus begin to do? Miracles. Miracles. And so, as you see... Luke develops all of that. Uh, Luke 4.43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I am sent for this purpose. What did he begin to do? Preach and teach, not in just one location, but everywhere. What did he do in uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1? Well, that's where he began to call the apostles. He gets in the boat that day. They cast out a little ways from the... Uh, from the bank. Uh, to make a long story short, Jesus says, uh, cast your net out. Peter said, Lord, we've been doing it all night. Jesus told him to do it, and they did, and they got so many they couldn't even put them in the, in the boat. Okay? And that's when he says, I'll make you fishers of men. Okay? So he chooses his, his disciples. This is what Jesus began to do. All of these things that we're talking about. And you can go on through the book of Acts, but Question is tonight, is Jesus still doing things? Just like the teaching, is Jesus still doing or did he finish everything and just forget about us when he died on the cross, was resurrected and ascended back into heaven? Is Jesus still doing, as Luke seems to indicate? Well, the answer to that is yes. Three verses, pretty quick, because our time is up tonight. But look, if you will, to Hebrews 7.25. 
Hebrews 7.25. We're going to read three verses out of Hebrews, so keep your fingers there. Hebrews 7, verse 25. All right. Jesus is alive, even though he died on the cross and was resurrected, and he ascended back to the Father. He died, but what's he there? What, where, where is he? He's in heaven. And because of that, what can he do? Make intercession for us. Look at, I said there were three in Hebrews, but one of them's in Romans. Look at Romans 8.34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who it indeed is interceding for us? Writer of the book of Hebrews said he's there to do the intercession Paul says he is there now doing the intercession. And then one last one, Hebrews 9, verse 24. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now watch this last part. But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God... On our behalf. Jesus is there. One of the things that he's doing for us, continues to do for us, is to intercede. He's in the present. He went back to heaven to talk to his Father about you and me. Let that hit you. Let that sink in. He went to heaven to talk to his Father about me. Wow. Is he doing something still? You better believe it. And he's doing that for every one of us who is a Christian. All right, our time is up. And we will pick up with that. I told you we wouldn't get through verses 1 and 2.